Hello everybody, welcome back, this is Tamra from A Girl in the Middle, Titus to Mentor, encouraging women to love well the Lord, their home, and their family. Welcome back today. Today we continue on and you'll have to forgive me, we are quite behind. Um, I might explain later, but anyway, um, for, for life urgencies, <clears throat> excuse me, I've gotten behind, but today we're gonna go, going to continue with our 21 names of God for this beginning first month of 2021. Today, Elroy, the Lord sees me. The Lord who sees me. Genesis 16, verses 13 to 14. And she called the name of the Lord that spoke to her. Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called Bilaharoi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Barad. I can see you. Oh my goodness, the flashback of memories here. My firstborn, no sooner than he had learned to sit up, loved to put his baby hands atop his face for me to find him. I never tired of this game. Where's mama's baby? Peeking through his fingers, he'd belly laugh and throw his arms up in the air, announcing his presence as I excitedly declared, I can see you. He both thought I couldn't see him and that he finally saw me. Precious moments, if I could turn back time. Hagar found herself in a similar situation. Read the whole account of Abraham, Sarai, and Hagar starting in verse 1 of Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abraham's, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my handmaid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took, ha took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleases thee. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by the fountain of the water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, 
Whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall be not numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spoke to her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Genesis 6, 1-13 to Servanthood Hagar was an Egyptian girl, now working for Sarai, the bearing wife of an influent and influential man, Abram. Abram, a friend of God. Though we know she was a maidservant, and servanthood was her way of life, her boss was about to make some decisions that would change her status, and in a big way. Faithfulness. Where scripture notes that Abram and Sarai had been in Canaan for 10 years, it's a reminder that they had known for those 10 years of God's promise made to Abram before he left Haran and came to Canaan. The promise of his own child, actually, of many. Genesis 12, going back to chapter 12, Verses 1 through 3. Then the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your kindred, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be through you. No sooner had Abraham arrived in Canaan, and the Lord reminds Abram of his promise. Genesis 15, verses 4 through 6. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took them outside, and he said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. The whole picture. Now that we have the whole picture in front of us, and we understand the three main characters and their character, remember, Abram was a faithful man, blessed richly by the Lord, full of promises kept and promises yet to come. Sarai, though shooting from the hip, desired to please her husband and to honor the Lord. The hardships of infertile women in her day were far beyond what we have experienced even in our grandmother's lifetimes. What was mum to us was shunned by her. And Hagar was a young Egyptian woman sent from Pharaoh 
now Sarah's, Sarai's maidservant. Whose idea? You've heard it before. I grew up with five brothers. I also taught school for almost 20 years, and I've had the privilege of ble in blessing of raising boys of my own. Then, it goes without saying, I've heard and repeated this phrase too many times to count. Whose idea was this? It wasn't Hagar's idea to become Abram's concubine. It was Sarai's. It wasn't God's promise to Abram that he'd father a child by any other woman than his, his faithful wife. It was their own. It wasn't Sarai's desire to be barren and unable to give what the Lord had promised so long ago to her husband. And neither was it God's forever plan. Here we have a terrible mess of fleshly choices and no one seeking God before man or woman. Sarai and Abram became restless and took it upon themselves to give the Lord a hand in the child he'd promised. But God had not relented on his promise and he did not need the help of any of them to make it so. Sin. Surrogacy wasn't uncommon in those days. And it's quite interesting the most ordinary ways this was accomplished. If you're interested, do some research. The result, when successful as it would turn out here, would mean a child for Sarai by way of Hagar. But, most likely, and by all standards, this was not an affair of excitement and allure. Yet, it went against God's direction for Abram and his design for marriage. It was sin. It should be no surprise to us, because we have the whole of God's written word to read, that God's plan isn't changed when we choose to sin instead of yielding in obedience to him. Oh, it causes all sorts of troubles, as we see here. But God is always sovereign, and his plan prevails. God's sovereignty. Moving forward. Hagar becomes pregnant with Abram's son. And no sooner than she does, she also becomes prideful and arrogant. In her demeanor, towards Sarai. This was a stark change from the humble servant she was, and it was a knife in the back of an old woman who longed to give her husband a child all through their marriage. I can relate a little bit to Sarai's mournful state. Even before I married, I feared I wouldn't be able to have children. As newlywed time passed us by, my fears grew. Year after year, we'd flip the calendar with no exciting news and hope waning. At one point, I felt sure it would never happen. And I'll never forget my husband's words to me. He held my face gently in, my, in his hands and his words fell even more gently over me. I didn't marry you to have your children. I married you because I love you, he said. Abram didn't have a response like that to Sarai. And now she was undone with grief and anger as Hagar had everything 
she'd ever desired. Their sin wouldn't dissuade their faithful God, but it did usher in sin's consequences, didn't it? Sin's consequences. Hagar was flaunting the great power of her pregnancy in Sarai's face, and Sarai grew quite angry. Abram got caught in the middle, but he didn't stay there long, telling Sarai to treat her servant however she'd like. Hagar, now pregnant with Abram's son, was taking the brunt of his wife's disdain, spurred on by her own arrogance. But she was about ready to get away from it all. When we mix our fleshly desires with God's direction, we don't change his will for our lives. But in our disobedience, we invite disorder, dishonor, and dismay. As he continues and works in and through us, to do his good will. Dejected. Sitting on the floor of a skating rink, I was sharing the gospel with a teenager who had just heard my husband speak. As I continued explaining to her the love of our Heavenly Father, she listened intensely, but soon stopped me mid-sentence. The conflict between knowing her own father, who sees her in the flesh and blood, and who's supposed to love her, yet hated her, and this heavenly father I read and spoke about, who she'd never seen, loved her more than anyone else, was something she couldn't find space in her heart to understand. This precious young lady was having trouble reconciling being seen and unloved with being unseen and loved beyond measure. What she had yet to learn about our God is that he does see her. It was understandable. I think Hagar could relate a bit. A decade ago, she was left unwanted by Pharaoh and since had been a slave to Sarai. To think she was a part of the family and treated well by the contrast and turn of events that is to come. Add insult to injury, she was pregnant with Abram's son but had no no consolation from him either. Even as a servant, she must have felt unwanted and unwelcome, alone and unseen. Hagar, expendable by both Pharaoh and now Sarai, and don't overlook the fact that she'd been learning about Abram and Sarai's God from them for the past 10 years, Her faith was entwined with their faithfulness. One piece of the tangled mess the three had managed to create. She wanted no part of it any longer. So she left. She took her newly pregnant self and headed on the road of shore, the road that would lead back to Egypt. She was headed home. Genesis 16, 7 to 12. The angel of the Lord found her by the spring of the water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from? Where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so they cannot be numbered for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, 
Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction, and he will be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against his kinsmen. Elroy, the Lord who sees me. I'm going to be really careful here and not take my own current knowledge and definitions into their home thousands of years ago. The details of how their ancient lifestyle looked in real time of maidservants, surrogacy, polygamy are things I haven't studied in depth and I know God's word can stand on its own. So that's where I'm going to leave them. That said, Hagar left the place she'd lived and been taken care of for the past 10 years, pregnant and downtrodden, and headed toward home. The angel of the Lord finds her, and she recognizes it is indeed the Lord. Hagar, her name means wanderer or wanderer. Fitting, isn't it? God found her. The angel of the Lord found her, there by a spring on the way to shore. I love the images I found when looking this up. Not only does God see her, he finds her. And he does the same for his children today, for me and for you. I have to laugh now, but when I was a newlywed, I remember getting so upset at something that I decided to get in my car and head down the only road I knew. It was the same one that would take me off the beaten path back to my old stopping grounds from which I came. At some point, and not very far away, I had a moment of sense and realized where I was going was not where I belonged. I wasn't even gone long enough for my husband to be worried. But I made great progress in my own mind of how angry I was. What in the world was I thinking? How did I think heading west was going to accomplish anything when my home was no longer there? God's angel had some questions for Hagar too. Genesis 16, seven to eight. The angel of the Lord found her by the spring of the water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? He was making her think, wasn't he? Their conversation continued. Genesis 16, 8-10. She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so they cannot be numbered for the multitude. God changed her. God didn't send her back in the same frame of mind she had as she fled. Don't forget, it was Hagar who decided to rub salt in the deep, raw wound of Sarai when she realized Abram was able to make her pregnant. She used the power she had in a very ugly way towards Sarai, and it caused a lot of problems. Had she continued down the path, Nothing would have changed with Sarai. She went back with a change of attitude. She went back knowing the Lord sees her, 
and was going to protect her. She had a future in God's hands. Hagar went back home to Sarai and Abram, and she told them of her time with the Lord's angel. We can be sure of this, because when her son was born, Abram named him Ishmael. God hears, just as God told her. Right here at the spring in the wilderness, God finds Hagar. She finds understanding about her life. She is foretold about her son and the many children that would be from him. By the way, I have learned that the old phrase, a wild donkey of a man, conjured up a beautiful vision of wild horses running freely, standing in opposition to her own slavery, and in contrast to the much uglier pictures we tend to think a wild donkey of a man to mean. Again, a place of a historian study, but something worth looking into further to see what you may learn if interested. Seeing the Lord, I wonder how long their visit together there at the Wellsprings was. Hagar was the first person to be sent an angel by God to talk with. She was the first whose child was named as, named as told by God. The Lord certainly did see her, and she saw him. Genesis 16, 13-16 So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Belahiroi. It lies between Kadesh and Barad. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Never alone. Oh, her problems weren't over, just like ours are not. But God sees us, Elroy. The Lord sees me. He doesn't desert us, though we feel forgotten and alone. We are never alone. And it matters big. In every place we take ourselves, our feet, and our minds, the Lord sees us. And we take time to look and listen to him. We see him too. <laughs> what a great day to know the Lord, Elroy, the God who sees me. I love you, Lord, my God who sees me. Thanks for being here. Take time to look at the God who sees you today. Talk to him, praise him, love him. And I'll see you back here tomorrow for another Name of God. Or you can visit at www agirlinthemiddle.com You can send me an email to the same address hello at agirlinthemiddle.com God bless you friends.